Welcome to a strange edition of the Legendary Life Podcast. Today, we're celebrating the release of season two of Stranger Things on Netflix. It's a Netflix original show. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It's completely amazing. In fact, Netflix's Stranger Things quickly became a 2016 hit. After more than a year of waiting, it's back in all its 80s horror nostalgia with the show's second season sneaking up on us just like last time. And if you love that show, you're going to love today's episode. The title is Five Stranger Things to Build Muscle, Boost Performance, and Improve Sleep. And of course, they're all backed by science. So in this episode, I'll be sharing strange tricks from drinking beet juice to using blood flow restriction to get you in better shape and to improve your performance. But before I start, like I said, if you haven't watched Stranger Things, you should really check it out. I highly recommend it. And listen, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies these days. I don't find many of them scary or even that entertaining. But Stranger Things is different. It's more like the X-Files meets the Goonies and has Stephen King's baby. In fact, Stephen King, whose influence is obvious in the show, had great things to say about it on Twitter. He said it's A+, don't miss it, Winona Ryder shines. And if you've been watching the show, you know exactly what he means by that. Winona Ryder plays this mom whose child goes missing. She was amazing in season one, and she just brings it all back in season two. It's an incredible show. I highly suggest you check it out. So back to the weird tricks. So when I found these tricks or stranger things that help you improve your health, your performance, and build muscle, I couldn't believe it. Some of them are very, very strange. But I'm a curious person, and I'm always down to test something out. But I also did some research into the claims behind the things that I'm going to share with you. So this is based on both personal experimentation and research. So And and it's all backed by science. So let's get into it. The first one is to take a coffee nap to boost alertness. And the first time I've ever heard about this was actually when I gave a talk on sleep. And someone came up and asked me about coffee naps afterward. And I eventually looked into it and I've experimented with coffee naps on and off again. I don't drink a lot of caffeine, but I find it kind of interesting to see how we can use what we know about physiology to hack our body. So I've been taking some naps recently. I've been trying this out and I got to tell you, a lot of people have shame about taking naps. Sleeping on the job is one of those workplace taboos, kind of like leaving your desk for lunch or taking an afternoon walk. And many people are taught to look down on it. And I want to ask you, do you find your workday spiraling out of control? You start each day with a plan to get so much done, but soon you find yourself distracted, focusing on low priority tasks. Perhaps you're a little bit tired and you just feel fried. And if you answered yes, this strange thing will help you regain control of your time. And you 
know that drinking a cup of coffee gives you a little bit of a boost. But what if I told you that drinking a cup of coffee immediately before taking a nap of 20 minutes or less could help you even more than drinking that cup of coffee or a nap by itself? That sounds pretty strange. Let me explain to you the science behind coffee naps. So as you know, coffee has caffeine in it. And after you drink a caffeinated drink like tea or coffee, the caffeine is absorbed in your small intestine and eventually makes its way into your bloodstream. And once the caffeine is in circulation, it passes through something called your blood-brain barrier to get into your brain. And after it gets there, the caffeine fits into these receptors that are normally filled by a similarly shaped molecule called adenosine. And this entire process takes some time, about 20 minutes or so, and that timing is really important. We'll get back to that later. Adenosine, if you've never heard of it before, is a metabolic byproduct of brain activity. It's one of the reasons you feel tired. Adenosine starts to build up during our waking hours, and it plugs into these adenosine receptors in your brain. And the way caffeine works, like I mentioned earlier, is it blocks adenosine by plugging into these receptors first. The end result, you feel awake. In other words, sleeping naturally clears adenosine from your brain, right? It's one of those things that's involved with sleep, something called sleep pressure. So it starts to build up until you're so tired, I got to take a nap. And when you do take a nap or go to sleep for the night, it naturally gets rid of adenosine. It lowers your adenosine levels. So when you drink a cup of coffee and immediately take a nap, you'll reduce your adenosine levels by going into sleep, into the phases of sleep. And if you wake up just in time, say, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, you'll be up in time for the caffeine to finally make it to your brain and plug into those receptors. And that means that you'll caffeine will have less adenosine to compete with. And the end result is that you'll be more alert than if you just drank some coffee or took a nap separately. And there are some studies on this thing, this phenomenon, this stranger way of using naps and coffee to boost alertness. So a study published in the journal Psychophysiology, which is not about psychopaths or anything, it's about the physiology of psychology, They discovered that when sleepy participants took a 15-minute coffee nap, they had fewer errors in a driving simulator than when they were given only caffeine or only took a nap. And this was a placebo-controlled study. So those people who took a nap got a caffeine-free placebo pill as well. And as you may remember, placebo-controlled double-blind trials like this are the gold standard of research to see if something works or not. Another study published in the journal Clinical Neurophysiology showed similar results to the first study. They found that the study participants performed significantly better on a series of memory tests after taking a 20-minute coffee nap. And they compared that 20-minute coffee nap to a nap with other interventions like washing your face or shining bright light on yourself uh, after the nap. And I'll be honest with you, I love science, but helping people take massive action towards their goal is really my passion. 
And in this episode, we're going to talk about the practical ways to apply all the things that I'm going to share with you, This, the, how to apply the stranger things, if you will. So how do we take a coffee nap? Well, this is pretty straightforward. Number one is you got to get some type of caffeinated drink. It could be a cup of coffee or it could also be a caffeine pill, which is not a drink, but what you're aiming for is 200 milligrams of caffeine. That is the amount that was used in the studies that I mentioned. And if you go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash stranger things, you can find the article format of this episode. And there's a database that I give you with different drinks and the amount of caffeine in them. You can also pop a caffeine pill like Natural Stack Smart Caffeine, which has exactly 200 milligrams in it. So you get your caffeine pill or caffeine-containing beverage, you drink it right away, and then you take a nap immediately. If you wait too long, the caffeine will kick in and stop you from actually falling asleep. So you'll need to have your nap prepared beforehand. And three is you want to set an alarm to wake you up in 15 or 20 minutes. If you sleep too long, you may enter slow wave sleep, which is deep sleep. And if you wake up during deep sleep, you'll get something called sleep inertia, which is that groggy feeling when you wake up from either your nap or from sleeping at night. If you get woken up in the middle of your uh, your deep sleep, you wake up, you're like, oh, I want to go back to bed. That's That's what sleep inertia is. That's what that feeling is. So who should take a coffee nap? Well, coffee naps are about mental alertness, not necessarily improving your health, but I wanted to include it because it's such a strange thing and I've been wanting to talk about coffee naps for a long time ever since I looked into them. So only try it if you handle caffeine well. And if you need a mental boost, maybe for a pressing deadline, or if you need to stay awake for a long drive, Otherwise, just take a regular nap for health. But if you're looking for that boost, or if you're looking for something kind of interesting to try, that's what you do. Again, just make sure that you're cool with caffeine. Because if you think, oh, I don't normally drink caffeine because it gives me heart palpitations, makes my hands clammy and shaky, but maybe I'll try this, Ah, skip it, right? So that's all I have to say about coffee naps. Let's move to stranger thing number two sleep in a cold room to burn fat. So I'm the kind of person who is always hot and always cranking the AC low. And Miami Beach weather is just brutal, especially during the summer. You're just always sweating. You you get out of your car and walk, you know, five minutes and you start sweating. I know to the perpetually cold among us, that might sound crazy, right? But a lot of us do run hot. And you most likely already know that reducing calories while lifting weights and eating enough protein is really the magic fat burning recipe, right? However, you can also burn fat just by turning down the thermostat while you sleep. The promise of losing weight in your sleep may sound like a claim right out of a dubious infomercial, right? But recent research from the National Institutes of Health found that sleeping in a cool room has significant metabolism-boosting and fat-burning health benefits. You might still think that it is a real strange thing, and it's hard to believe, but this seriously works. 
So before you decide to, you know, turn off a little bit, let me explain the science behind cold exposure. To understand how cold temperature increases fat burning, you've got to know a little bit about the different types of fat found in your body and what their function is. So you have two basic types of fat. You've got white adipose tissue and you have brown adipose tissue. And although the metabolic role of white fat is quite complex and involved in inflammation, inflammatory processes, and uh, you know, it releases leptin and all types of things, but you mostly know it as a place to store all those extra calories you eat. You know, in case a famine hits us or something, right? It's also the stuff that raises our risk of developing diseases like heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. However, brown fat is quite different. The role of brown fat is actually to consume our stores of white body fat to generate heat in response to cold exposure. So when we're exposed to cold, our fight or flight response gets activated and it releases adrenaline in brown fat. This produces heat and causes more brown fat cells to be created. So it's this kind of perpetuating cycle. And babies are actually born with a lot of brown fat because they don't have the same warming ability as adult bodies. Because when you and I need to warm up, our muscles start shivering, right? And our circulatory, you know what shivering is and you felt that, but something that you may not have felt is that our circulatory system shunts blood away from the extremities, so your hands and legs, and towards your core in order to keep your organs warm, right? Because your body, you can... (laughs) In its view, and its perspective, you can lose an arm or a leg or a foot, but you lose a pancreas or your stomach or, you know, a liver, you're going to be in trouble. So brown fat helps infants survive until they develop these abilities. However, most adults don't have much brown fat. And it's kind of obvious. We live and work in climate-controlled, central AC-regulated homes and offices. And when it's cold out, we layer up with jackets and sweaters to stay warm. As a result, our bodies no longer have to burn off white fat to keep us warm. It's just, hey, we don't need to do this anymore. And our body is very energy, conserves energy. It doesn't like to waste energy on something it doesn't need to do. Like it doesn't want to have big muscles unless you're lifting weights all the time gets rid of them. It's like, get rid of it. So it gets rid of your body fat. Some experts even believe that this loss of environmental conditioning is playing a significant role in the obesity crisis. Of course, this mostly has to do with overeating and physical inactivity, but this could be another prong, another aspect to the obesity crisis. In fact, brown fat is a hot topic right now in research circles. Scientists are trying to develop a weight loss drug based on how brown fat works. I just watched a presentation a couple months ago and the guy was all excited about it because that's how much potential scientists think there is for brown fat to reduce body weight. And if you'd like to learn more about brown fat and its importance, I highly recommend the book, What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney. He studied with the Iceman, a.k.a. Wim Hof, and learned how to increase his brown fat stores as well as some other strange techniques like the Wim Hof breathing and a few other things that he goes into in the book. I've actually interviewed Scott and I've read his book 
And that interview will be coming out soon, but I highly recommend it. It's, it's a lot of fun to read. It's wild, fun, and informative, and it will give you a new appreciation for the human body and what pre-industrial human beings suffered through before the advent of things like central heating. And while you could take regular ice baths or wait around for a pharmaceutical company to come out with a brown fat drug, there's an easier and less freezing way to increase your brown fat stores. And the best part is you can do it in your sleep. A study from the National Institutes of Health had male volunteers sleep in a climate-controlled environment during an experiment to see how their temperature affected their metabolism. The research subjects were given identical meals, calorie, in other words, they were calorie matched, so they ensured that all the participants took in the same amount of calories during the four-month study. The temperature of the room was set to 75 degrees Fahrenheit during the first month. That's about 24 degrees Celsius. Then for the second month, they, they uh, lowered it to 66 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 19 degrees Celsius. Then they bumped it up again for the third month for 75 degrees. So again, 24 degrees Celsius. And for the final month, they raised the temperature to 81 degrees Fahrenheit, and which is about 27 degrees Celsius. So that's going to be important. So after a month of exposure to the coldest temperature, the 66 degrees Fahrenheit, 19 degrees Celsius, the participants had a 42% increase in brown fat and a 10% increase in their metabolism. However, the brown fat started going away as they started raising the room temperature, and it was completely gone by the final month where the temperature was the warmest. So before you run to your closet and put on some summer or warm weather clothing and start cranking your AC down and thinking that you're going to burn 500 extra calories a day without doing any exercise, I need to stop you for a second and explain how this stranger thing really works. So here's how to do it in your sleep. And of course, you could do it while you're awake. So adjusting your bedroom temperature to increase your metabolism, it's pretty simple to do. You just crank down the AC to the coldest setting that still allows you to sleep. And studies have shown that the optimal temperature for improving sleep is 60 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's already, as you can see our study there, they use the 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So what I want you to do is experiment with the range to see what you can handle. Personally, it's kind of hard for me to lower it below 68 degrees using an AC. I can handle cold weather, but the AC just kind of dries out my throat and makes me feel like I'm about to get sick. So experiment to see what you can do. If you live in a cold environment, you don't even need to turn down your AC. You can just actually turn, uh, turn down your heater, right? Is what you need to do. And if it's too cold for you, you may not end up being able to sleep. And that is uh, not what we want because Poor quality sleep can actually lead to weight gain all by itself. And don't cheat by wearing thicker pajamas or using an extra blanket. We're talking about exposing your body to cold, so you've got to feel it for it to have an effect. And if you do live in a colder location, you can try using one less layer to walk around in so you can do something besides just the sleep. And after reading and 
what doesn't kill us in interviewing Scott Carney, I'm making an effort to expose myself to as much cold as I can. It's hard to do here in Miami Beach because of the weather. And I love the feeling of cold. In fact, I can't wait to go to a place, say, like Iceland and really get cold. I, I love it. And I, I'm one of those people who just counts the days to winter. What about you? So there's always ice baths if you're a glutton for punishment. Just read up on how to do it properly so you don't die from hypothermia. Like my buddy Joe, who had that episode, if you listened to that interview with Joe DiBernardo, my former NFL player friend turned primal living coach, he had a bad experience after pushing it too hard in an ice bath. So read up on it. And one more thing, if you think you can crank down the temperature so you can lose fat without eating right or exercise, it ain't going to happen. The increase in calorie burning seems quite modest unless you're doing some of the things, some of the extreme things that Scott Carney talked about in his What Doesn't Kill Us book. That said, sleeping in a colder room at night improves sleep quality on its own, and sleep is something that can help burn fat independently of whether it's chilly or not. So sleeping in a cold room can theoretically help your weight loss goals in these two ways. Just don't forget to eat right and exercise. And of course, if you need help with losing fat, check out my free training where I walk you through how to lose fat fast without starving or killing yourself in the gym. Just go to my website. It will be on there. It will be obvious as to where it should, uh, where you should sign up for that. So let's get to number three, which is build muscle with blood flow restriction training. So I used to think I got great muscle pumps during my workouts until I tried blood flow restriction training. But before I explain how you can start using this game-changing performance enhancement trick, I want to first ask you to keep an open mind. It's a strange trick for sure, but if you have joint issues and injuries that keep you from lifting heavy weights, you want to keep listening. And I know, I know, Restricting your, your blood flow does sound extremely strange and may even seem dangerous when you first hear it. And trust me, I felt the same way. I've, I've known about this training for years, but I didn't try it until fairly recently. The accumulating research validating this training method was just too hard to ignore. I needed to try it. So I did. And I tried it out on myself first, as I do with all new methods. And I was blown away with the endless applications for busy men and women looking to build muscle while avoiding excessive stress on their joints. In fact, I'm going to be doing a very comprehensive article on blood flow restriction training and how you can use it for more than just building muscle. However, it isn't for everyone. If you have a heart condition that can be aggravated by a high heart rate, or high blood pressure, or if your doctor has told you to be careful about exercise in general because of your circulatory system, then check with your doctor before giving this a try. But if you're just a healthy individual, except for the few joint aches and pains, then keep listening and perhaps give it a try. So it's a cutting edge exercise technique that works by restricting blood flow from the veins, but not the arteries. And that's really important. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But right now you might be thinking, how the hell did this get started? Well, a Japanese man named Yoshiaki Sato invented blood flow restriction training. It's known as katsu training there. And now in his 60s, 
Sato first realized the potential of katsu training when he was 25 after breaking his ankle in a skiing injury. Instead of taking the usual six months to recover, Sato used blood flow restriction training to rehabilitate his ankle in just six weeks. Since then, numerous studies have been conducted on this method, and it's been used with everyone from elite athletes to recreational bodybuilders to even elderly. And that's because it seriously works. Now, let's talk a little bit about the science behind blood flow restriction training, aka BFR. So BFR involves wrapping a band around the top portion of your limb to restrict blood flow out of the working muscle. So if you're working your upper body, you would wrap around your arms near your armpit. Or if you're working your legs, you'd wrap around your top part or the top part of your thighs. Don't Just don't wrap it around your neck and know there's no way to do this for your abs. And during properly performed blood flow restriction training, blood is able to enter the muscle through the arteries, and that's very important. However, the blood is partially prevented from leaving the muscles through the veins. Arteries bring blood to your extremities. Veins bring that deoxygenated blood back to the heart to get oxygen again and bring it back to your muscles. But when you partially restrict it with these uh, blood flow restriction straps, it traps blood in the muscle and causes one of the best and most painful pumps you've ever had in your life. I mean, seriously, your muscles will be noticeably bigger after one round of blood flow restriction training. The theory is that the cellular swelling, the swelling of your muscles, that thing that causes that pump feeling, shocks the muscle into new growth. In fact, there's quite a bit of theories on how it works, but that's probably the the easiest one to explain in this short time that we have. I know that probably sounds like a bad idea too. In fact, just ask your doctor about it and see what they say. They'll have a knee-jerk reaction like many of uh, my clients have had saying, that's the stupidest, craziest thing that I've ever heard. The thing is, it's not. And I did think that same way when I first saw it until I started diving into the research. In fact, blood flow restriction training is an amazing way of building muscle and improving strength while reducing stress on your joints. And since BFR training forces you to use much higher loads than you usually would train with, it's fantastic for those trainees with injuries. And one of my jobs is to find the safest and most effective ways to help you get in shape. And blood flow restriction training is a technique that has proven itself safe and highly effective, not just in the real world, which is important, but also there's just numerous studies on it, like over 200. So if you don't want to give it a try, that's cool. You can still try some of the other stranger things I've mentioned in this article to improve your health, body, and life. But now that we've got those disclaimers out of the way, let's start to explain how you can unlock some new gains and get ready for the best muscle pumps of your life. So how do we perform blood flow restriction training? Well, I highly suggest you go to this episode, legendarylifepodcast.com slash stranger things and read up on it here instead of just hearing it and then trying it when, you know, maybe you're on your way to the gym right now. The first thing you want to do is invest in some blood flow restriction bands. And in the article, I show you which ones I recommend. There are a lot on the market, actually. Second, you'll want to wrap your arms 
or legs, depending on which part of the body you want to work. It's really important that you don't want to wrap too tight as you can block off all your blood flow, which is not a good thing. It's not going to kill you if you do it and you won't have to get your arm amputated, but it won't work out for you. It'll be too painful and you will not get the result that you're looking to get. So what you want to do is if you have a scale of one to 10, wrap on a tightness level of about a seven. And if you're already in pain before you start your set, or if your limbs are going numb, then undo the wrap and try it again because you wrap too tight. So now that we have our blood flow restriction straps, we have them in place. Now we're going to perform several sets of an isolation exercise with short rest in between sets. And I give you the protocol in the article, again, legendarylightpodcast.com slash stranger things. So I'll, I'll read it to you real quick. You perform 30 reps, then you rest 30 seconds. You perform another 15 reps, then rest 30 seconds. Perform another set of 15, rest 30 seconds, and perform a final set of 15. So that's four sets, 30, 15, 15, 15, with 30 seconds in between. And after you're done with all your sets, you remove the wraps. It's pretty straightforward, right? The best exercises to use for blood flow restriction training are isolation exercises. Think bicep curls and tricep extensions for your arms. And for your legs, I recommend things like knee extensions and hamstring curls. You can also use this method for squats and bench presses and other exercises, but it doesn't seem as effective for those exercises. So I suggest start experimenting with the isolation exercises before playing around with the compound ones. So I hope I've inspired you to give BFR training a test drive. Personally, I credit for increasing the muscle size and strength of my arms and legs without aggravating my joint injuries. And as many of you know who listen to the show regularly, I have several injuries that I've been dealing with from car accidents that herniated three discs in my neck to you know my knee, uh, my knees, which aren't doing so great, or they're actually doing well, but I can't push them hard. And that's because of all my martial arts training. But I'm really impressed with what BFR training has done for myself. And for my clients, most of the clients I have, they are the clients who I have who have uh, uh, who do one-on-one coaching with me, or uh, especially in-person training. They're all injured, and I've been using it with all of them, all of my in-person clients, and and some of my coaching clients who I write customized workouts for. So check it out again. Go to the website and check out this article to read up more and see which blood flow restriction straps I recommend. Number four. Drink beet juice to boost workout performance. This is the story of how I started loving beet juice. Even as a kid, I always loved my veggies, but beets were something I never had acquired a taste for. I thought they were okay. And although I haven't lived the cleanest lifestyle, especially when I was in my 20s in Miami Beach, I've been focusing on my health for for decades now, and I've been working out regularly. Even so, my blood pressure is on the high normal side. Maybe it's from all the sleep issues I've had, or perhaps it's all from the late night parties I've attended. Or maybe it's part genetic as my dad has extremely high blood pressure and has to take medication daily to keep it under control. I got to tell you, taking medication for me, that's the last resort. Blood pressure meds, just like all other meds, have numerous side effects that I'd rather not deal with. So I started to search for natural ways to lower my blood pressure. Why? 
because that's who I am. I'm always looking for natural ways to fix my health issues and live a healthier life. I believe that using foods the right way can have healing powers and can 10x our health without being on meds, without resorting to taking medication, like most of the people that we know, including my dad. And in my reading, I came across research showing that beet juice, also known as beetroot juice, can lower blood pressure. So I started adding beet juice to my diet and beets to my salad. Then one day I was searching for a natural pre-workout for my client. I found out that beet juice could boost workout performance naturally. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because many of my clients report side effects when they take pre-workouts. I mean, most of my clients are in their late 50s or early 60s, and they don't mess around with that stuff. But a lot of the people who I talk to, people ask me about pre-workouts all the time. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of side effects to them. In fact, there's a whole category of memes dedicated to the side effects of pre-workout supplements. I put a couple here in this article that is accompanies this episode. So one of them's of Jean-Claude Van Damme from Bloodsport when he has that moment with blood running down his nose and he's got that crazed look in his eye and it says pre-workout just kicked in, yo. And if you don't get the joke, probably because you've never taken a pre-workout supplement before. And most of them are filled with stimulants like caffeine, yohimbine, and dimethylamine. And sometimes they put them all together. And although the memes are funny, the side effects of high doses of stimulants aren't so humorous. Increased blood pressure, anxiety, rapid heart rate, and even death are some of the side effects caused by taking stimulant-based pre-workout supplements. It can really mess with your sleep, especially if you take it too late. And I have this meme that has this crazy picture of a mannequin with that, this, you know, wide-eyed, bright, bright-eyed look on his face, kind of like a, a face of terror with really wide eyes. And uh, the caption is, when you're desperately trying to sleep, but your pre-workout hasn't worn off yet. Now, I've had some bad experiences using pre-workouts myself. I had to stop a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class one time because I started feeling my heart beating like crazy as I was starting to warm up. And our warm-ups were, were pretty intense. But, uh, you know, I, I used to do them all the time. But I felt like I was going to have a heart attack if I s- didn't stop. And uh, so, so I did. The good news is that you don't have to resort to those. And if you're taking them, I highly recommend that you find an alternative like beet juice. It's just, it's not worth it. And jacking yourself up on stimulants, it's just not something I can get behind, especially with all the people complaining of stress and poor quality sleep, just can't get behind that idea. And that you can get a boost in performance while improving the function of your heart by drinking some beet juice or eating some some beets before your workout, that's something I can get behind. And they're loaded with antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties. And like I mentioned before, beets have long been known to reduce blood pressure and increase blood flow. So if you're one of those people that can't go to the gym before taking a pre-workout, you might keep listening and understand why perhaps beet juice is the boost that you're really looking for. So let's talk about the science behind the beets. The performance benefits behind beets are from the naturally occurring nitrates found in high amounts in vegetables like 
leafy greens, and, and of course, beets. And when you eat these high nitrate foods, the nitrates are converted into nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is what causes a boost to your strength and endurance. And a number of studies have found that beetroot juice taken before exercise allows you to work out longer before you get tired. And it reduces the oxygen cost of exercise. That means you can get a harder workout in without feeling as tired afterward. And while nitrites and nitrates from processed foods seem to harm our health, you may have heard that before, when you get them naturally from vegetables, they actually improve your health. So no, if you were thinking that you could substitute hot dogs and bacon for beets, not going to happen. There's even a study showing improved muscle power in patients with heart failure after drinking beet juice. The good news is that you don't need to pay exorbitant prices for beet juice from your local juice bar to get those benefits either. By juicing your own beets or using a beet juice supplement that I'll talk about, you can forget about that and you can ditch your stimulant-based pre-workout drink for something natural. So let's get into it. How much beet juice do you need to drink? Several of the studies used 500 milliliters of beet juice. And I got to tell you, that is a lot of beet juice to drink before exercise. And that might cause your stomach to get upset. And like I mentioned, juicing those three to five beets to get the necessary amount of juice is a little bit messy and time consuming. Alternatives to beet juice like powder beets and beet juice concentrate have sprung up in the market as kind of a fix, as, as an alternative to juicing fresh beets. And although there aren't any studies on the beet powder, I found a bottled liquid shot called Beat It that was used in some of the studies. And I want to give you a hint here. Most of the supplement businesses are pretty shady and they're full of products with unsubstantiated claims. And sometimes the things that they claim on the ingredient list, they don't even have those things inside the supplement. So when a company goes out of their way to subject their product to research, that's something you want to pay attention to. So the name of the product is Beat It, you know, like the Michael Jackson song, right? But it's spelled B-E-E-T, so Beat It Sport. So when should you drink beet juice before your workout? Because this is important. You want to drink the beet juice an hour and a half to two hours before your workout. Why? Because it takes time for that process to happen. It's the nitrates going into uh, or converting into nitric oxide takes some time. And is there anything else that you should know about this? Yes. The nitrates and beets are, are converted into nitrites by bacteria in our mouth. And that's one of the steps before reaching the final compound. So this is an important step that shouldn't be overlooked. So drink your beet juice slowly and swish it around in your mouth before swallowing to get the desired effect. Also, you don't want to brush your teeth or use mouthwash or anything like that because you might wash out these nitrites. And so you'll end up having less nitric oxide. I hope I helped convince you that to try to find natural solutions for your health. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why you listen to this podcast, because I have a mix of like, okay, I'm into the modern science. I'm into what the research says. But at the same time, I really believe in the ancestral health model. 
using things that human beings have used for a long time as opposed to using isolated chemicals or man-made things that may not have the desired effect or even may have some side effects. And at the end of the day, we need to find habits that fit our busy routine that actually improve our health. And drinking chemical-laden pre-workout drinks don't fit that bill in my perspective. And after 19 years in the health and fitness industry, I can say that living a life with less processed foods, preservatives, and weird chemicals is the answer to living a longer and more active life. Let's get into number five, the fifth and final stranger thing. And that is to drink tart cherry juice to accelerate recovery from exercise. So we've already learned that drinking beet juice before exercise can boost our workout performance. What about improving recovery after a workout? If you're like most of my clients, you have those days when it hurts no matter which way you move, your body is just so sore. And whether you're a recreational athlete, gym fanatic, or casual exerciser, you should consider recovery an essential part of your healthy lifestyle. And no, I'm not talking about chilling in front of the TV until you feel like you're ready to work out again. I'm talking about dealing with the fatigue and soreness with a strange but backed by science thing to help your body feel better faster. It's called tart cherry juice, and it has numerous benefits from faster recovery, from exercise to improved sleep. And to prove to you that this powerful juice can actually do what I'm claiming it does, we're going to dive into a little bit of the science behind tart cherry juice. So the recovery-boosting benefits of tart cherry juice have to do with its anti-inflammatory properties. Since cherry juice has a higher concentration of these anti-inflammatory nutrients than the whole fruit, that's why the research focused on the juice, in case you were wondering, hey, because you probably have to eat about 50 cherries to get the benefit of drinking you know, 8 to 12 ounces of cherry juice. And recent studies have found that regular consumption of tart cherry juice may accelerate post-workout recovery, increase overall training capacity, and improve your sleep quality. And if you are a person who's suffering from like achiness and soreness after a workout and you sleep poorly, well, this is a no-brainer to try. And uh, to give you some more motivation, a study published in 2010 in the journal Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science and Sport looked into whether cherry juice was more effective for recovering after a marathon than a placebo. So again, that's a gold standard, a double-blind placebo-controlled study. 20 recreational marathon runners drank either cherry juice or the placebo five days before, the day of, and for two days after a marathon run. They found that inflammation was reduced in the cherry juice group and their isometric strength, which is a measure of muscle damage, recovered much faster than the placebo group. Another study published in the journal Nutrients in 2016 looked into the effects of tart cherry supplementation as well. And the results led the researchers to conclude these findings suggest cherry juice is efficacious in accelerating recovery following prolonged repeat sprint activity such as soccer and rugby and lends further evidence that polyphenol-rich foods like tart cherry juice are effective in accelerating recovery 
following various types of strenuous exercise. And an earlier study published in British Journal of Sports Medicine in 2006, researchers found that in addition to improving recovery from exercise, the participants reported sleeping better after drinking the tart cherry beverage. And later, researchers put that claim of improved sleep to the test in several studies, including a couple that I have here in this article, found that tart cherry juice is as effective or more effective than valerian and melatonin, the two most studied supplements people take for insomnia. And one thing I want to tell you is tart cherry juice actually has melatonin in it. And it's not the only food that has melatonin in it, but it's the the only one that I know of that actually has studies showing that it improves sleep. So enough about the science. Let's try this strange thing so you can get back into the gym and get back into life faster than ever. How much tart cherry juice should you drink? Well, this depends on whether you're drinking the juice or the concentrate. The studies I looked at used 12 ounces, which is around 355 milliliters of juice, or one ounce of the concentrate, which is 30 milliliters. When should you drink tart cherry juice before your workout? Well, if you're using it for an event, the studies I mentioned used or started supplementation five to seven days before and used it the day of the event. And the study I mentioned above on marathon runners also took tart cherry juice before, during, and two days after the race. Another thing I want to tell you about tart cherry juice is to be cautious about which juice you choose. I like Cherry Bundy tart cherry juice. The product tastes good. Some of the juices are too sour. And the company seems to be up on the scientific research on tart cherries and health. In fact, they had one of their products was used in some of the research that I looked into. They claim to put 50 cherries in every bottle, by the way. That's where I got that number 50 cherries from that I said earlier. And they also have a seven-day challenge where you drink eight ounces a day to see if you notice a difference. And so what I suggest you do, buy a 12-pack for 25 bucks and try it out. I know it's a bit expensive, but uh, it's worth trying out to see if it makes a difference in your recovery and sleep. If you're a person who's suffering from both of those things, because let's face it, if you're not sleeping right, your recovery is going to be compromised and you're probably a little bit achy and you probably have some joint injuries, some joint aches and pains. So this is something you can try and just give it a try and see if it works. I felt a big difference. I would say not a huge difference, but I felt a difference. And if you can get a 10, 20 or 30% improvement, you got to try it out, see how much it costs and then weigh uh, the results, right? And if you'd like to try something a little bit less expensive, I recommend Dynamic Health Certified Organic Tart Cherry Juice. The links to these products are on this page. And so you can see which ones I'm talking about, the ones that I used. This 16-ounce bottle that I recommend here gives you enough to try the amount of tart cherry juice concentrate used in the studies. Remember, it was 12 ounces twice a day if you're drinking the juice or one ounce twice a day if you're taking the concentrate. So your investment in tart cherry juice is a small price to pay for accelerated recovery from exercise and better sleep. So that concludes this episode. I hope you found it fun. I hope you learned a lot. And make sure you go to legendarylifepodcast.com. Check out 
the article, check out the other articles that I've been writing, the other episodes. And lastly, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast from. Make sure you subscribe. We've got a lot of great content coming where we bought some new software and upgrading things like crazy. You don't want to miss any of the new episodes, any of the new guests I've got coming soon. So I hope you enjoyed it. Have an amazing week and I'll speak to you soon.